Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how is it going? And today we're talking about Flock of Dudes. That is just the beginning. Check it out. What the hell is that? That, my friend, is a barcicle. Let's be stupid people, man. <laughs> Three bars, huh? This is a stupid coming-of-age white male comedy. Directed by Bob Castrone. We got quite a cast in this one. Topher from Workaholics. Hannibal Burris from The Eric Andre Show. Eric Andre from The Eric Andre Show. Ben from The Mindy Project. Murray from Stranger Things. At least one troll. Cece from New Girl. Bernadette from The Big Bang Theory. Lizzie McGuire from The Lizzie McGuire Show. A.C. Slater from Saved by the Bell, Sam Sylvia from The Glow, and Roz Doyle from Frasier. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I also watched it on YouTube. All right, Joey, here is the synopsis for this movie. For anyone who, you know, it might be a, might have been a minute since people have seen this one, or perhaps right. they've never seen it. I mean, it only has 17 likes on, on, uh, on YouTube and no comments. <laughs> yeah, three trivia like uh, things on IMDb, which is the, by far the least I've ever seen for any movie. So anyways, here's the synopsis for Flock of Dudes. First off, I have to state... For anyone who maybe hasn't seen this, Crystalia plays Adam. Crystalia is our main character, yes. Yeah, and you, you got to visualize him doing all this stuff. Okay, Adam is a 20-something-year-old who's an irresponsible mess with no ambitions. He lives with his three best friends from college, and their life revolves around what they're going to do for their next drinking challenge. One such challenge falls on the same day as Adam's anniversary with his girlfriend, and he shows up late and drunk to dinner with her parents. She's understandably upset and breaks up with him. Two years later, Adam and his friends haven't changed, but the world around them has changed. Adam's ex-girlfriend is dating Mario Lopez. Adam's little brother is making real estate money and just got engaged to a lawyer. And Adam and his friends get evicted at 3 a.m. during a sad excuse for an after party. It's at this point Adam realizes he's hit rock bottom. Adam breaks up with his friends in a drunken tirade, and the next morning, the friend group agrees on a breakup contract to make it official. They agree they will go six months without communication with each other, or else risk losing fantasy sports privileges. The <gasps> six- <laughs> High stakes here with this contract. The six months ends on the night of Adam's brother's wedding, where they can reunite and be boys again. Adam moves in with his little brother and starts his journey of self-improvement, including writing a sports blog, signing up for kickball, and going on a date with a co- uh, that a coworker set up for him. The date ends up being uh, the date ends up raping him, uh, but it's funny because she has a tiger tattoo on her butt. Remember how funny tigers are, guys? You remember the Hangover, right? Uh, tigers and drinking and funny. Tiger King, <laughs> <laughs> right? Am I right? It's uh, totally hilarious. There's, there's uh, also his office crush and her name is Beth and she has no real interests of her own besides dating men. And Adam wants to be one of these men, so he starts spending more time with Beth outside of work. This includes going on a rowboat with her to confess his feelings, but having the moment spoiled by Jeff Ross masturbating in public. Later, Adam tries again to win her affection by kissing her on the beach, 
but she says she's not ready. As time passes, Adam's former roommates start to develop as individuals outside the group, while Adam still seems lost. Eventually, he sits down and makes a list of ways to get his shit together, and we enjoy a montage of him improving that mostly consists of him writing his blog and going to the dentist. Finally, the guys reunite at Adam's brother's wedding, and they're all friends again. For some reason, Ray Liotta is there, and he's being really weird for no reason. Adam comes to the realization that Beth is what's missing from his life, so he and his friends ditch his brother's wedding in the middle of it and hijack a bus so Adam can go confess his love to Beth. For some reason, it works this time, and now everyone has a girlfriend, and they can all live happily ever after. The end. Wow. What a heartwarming movie that wow. sounded like. Oh, yeah. There's so much good stuff in here. Uh, let's start with our pros and our cons. Joey, what did you like about Flock of Dudes? It has a mostly fun cast. Um, the script is pretty tight. There's a really nice symmetry to it, and it's uh, competently made, I'd say. What about you? Um, I don't know if I agree with all that, but let me just say what I like first before we get to what we don't like. Uh, what I liked was I thought that the editing on the drinking sequences was really well done. Like the mm. title sequence at the beginning of the movie, the like, but that happens between his girlfriend breaking up with him and the two years later. That part was actually really well edited. It kind of felt like Project X. I was like, wow, that's really good. Like that's, uh, it was a cool sequence to to witness. Um, as well as later on that Halloween night before they get evicted, there's some editing that's very similar, and I thought that was really well done. And the other thing I liked about it was that it was short. So let's talk cons. <laughs> let's talk okay, cons. cons. What, what did you not like about Flock of Dudes? It's not funny, first of all. It's, it's supposed to be funny, but it's not funny. Um, it's got some really cringy sex humor, including a whole rape scene. Um, and a, an obsessive woman crying hookers. Just a general objectification of women uh, throughout. The story has literally no stakes. I don't like any of the characters, and even the ones that are supposed to be fun are just literally the worst. What about you? I agree. It's not very funny. There's bad editing and transitions, and this is something I, I like. This is why I kind of disagree with it's competently made. Like There are certain aspects of it where it's like, yeah, this is definitely a planned out movie, but there's also <laughs> certain parts of it where I'm like, Oh God, this must be somebody's first attempt. We'll get, I'll talk more about that later. Okay. I think there's bad dialogue. I agree. This story, I agree with your no stakes. This, this story takes place in a fairy tale world where there literally are no stakes at all. These people just live to drink and have a good time. And like the worst thing that could happen to you is you're having too good of a time, too much of the time and you need yes. to change. <laughs> it's literally. <laughs> um, I also agree that women are treated as objects in this movie. And um, finally, I think it's, not funny uh which is a big problem when it's a comedy so uh those are the cons <laughs> let's let's talk into let's get a little deeper into it in our overall okay. section go ahead joey i think this movie is fine and that is to its detriment if it was bad it would be interesting instead it is the worst quality a movie can have which is boring it is nothing to say unless you read further in than intended into it and it's not new or creative or funny it doesn't even follow its own rules or raise the stakes above the bare minimum another movie that i was thinking of when i was watching this is that movie tag also has a um hannibal burris in it which is about these group of friends that have been playing this like really long game of tag it's like becomes very elaborate and what i like about that movie is that 
it like the stakes are low and everything it all revolves around a wedding and like how they're like are they gonna still be friends even though like they're acting like children all the time but like the, the idea is like there's there's kind of like like a villain and everything and it's like this it's all very fun and like it just gets crazier and crazier because the the, the situations they put each other in to like tag each other just become more and more elaborate and more and more insane and that's like that's fun because you're just raising the the bar every time that's not what happens in this movie flock of dudes it's the same the whole time nothing ever changes nothing interesting happens it's always just the same boring stuff and it's just not fun i think this movie does have a purpose though um but it's not to be entertaining and here's my here's my uh tinfoil hat theory ready for this this movie is meant to get crystalia laid <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> okay listen to this okay he is shown as a party guy who really knows how to have fun but he has a deeper side that nobody knows about he could do so much more if it wasn't just for his <laughs> dumb friends but the thing is everyone else in this movie is worse than his friends he goes on a date with a crazy woman who, again, rapes him. He meets up with a high school bully who is just straight up abuses women constantly. I think I think that's supposed to be funny. I actually don't really know how to read that whole thing. Yeah, he like well, literally the, the splashes bully... beer on that poor waitress. Right. You know, he's always propositioning Beth to have sex with him, just like straight up, like as if that's a thing that you can say in normal conversation. Right. It's very it's very uncomfortable they try to it's one of those things where they try to get both where they're like look at how much of a douche this guy is but also look at how funny this trick he does is where he orders two pitchers of beer intentionally to do a wet t-shirt thing yeah uh, like it's it's like am i supposed to be laughing at this or or looking down on this he plays uh jonah on that show veep um and he's also like like a big douche in, in that as well um so it, like it kind of tr- i guess he's like kind of typecast in that way and maybe like if you're like thinking of Jonah and Veep, you're like, ah, it's funny that he's like still a douchebag, but like, um, no, I guess like it's just like it's all it's doing is making him seem like a bad guy, but you keep spending more time with him to see how bad he gets, you know? Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, it's also uh, not clear that the the I mean, it's not uh, super clear that the movie is uh like saying no or or, or endorsing what right. he's doing. It's like. Is the movie doing this because it's, we're supposed to laugh, or is or are they trying to make him look like a bad guy? Right, uh, and if you're doing both, it doesn't really work. Yeah. Um, there's also the masturbating guy in the park. Uh, there is his stupid coworkers and his weird boss. Everyone in this movie is worse than Crystalia, and that makes him the hero. So let's go further. Uh, he dates a girl who dumps him for Mario Lopez, and then they go as far as to rank her compared to other girls that Mario Lopez has dated. Sure, it kind of makes Cristalia's character look like he doesn't know what he had, but it also implies that he's at the same level as Mario Lopez, right? If you think of women in terms of like status symbols, right? You're like, oh, he can get this hot girl that Mario Lopez uh, is dating. Therefore, he can also date other women that are just as hot as Mario Lopez's girlfriends or something. Because uh, they they code Mario Lopez in this movie to be like the epitome of like superstar because uh, he's like the most famous person they could I guess. Oh think my of, gosh! Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, and and you're right. Like women as a status symbol, like they are just objects to be acquired, and that reflects either bad like poorly on you or in a good way on you you know yes like it's, that's all these and women in this movie exist only to find men not, none of the women in this movie have any sort of uh interests outside of finding a man to be with yeah and like even when yes exactly 
But even when uh, Crystalia is struggling and um, having trouble like being on his own, he still has sex, right? Um, <laughs> sure, it was rape, but come on. You think Crystalia has to try to have sex? Women are throwing themselves at him. Right. The implication also in that situation is not really, even though he ha she forces sex upon him, which is rape, uh, yes. he d enjoys it because it. The, you can't be raped as a guy because guys just love <laughs> sex no matter what, right? Because the next morning, right. he's talking with his little brother, and his little brother is like, oh my gosh, you have to tell me everything about it, dude. That's so epic. Like... I yeah. Tat tiger tattoo on her butt. <laughs> oh man, that's badass. Tell me about what it looks like, you know? Like Right. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. That was such a honestly, that was such <laughs> a um unnecessary bit to put into this movie because it's not funny. Like it'd be one thing if they came up with something really clever and it's like, "Oh, you have to have somebody get raped to make that come across like potentially you can justify it." But once you see the context so. of all this, yeah, and maybe not. But like once you see the context that comes into this joke, you're like why that the, who's <laughs> laughing because this girl has a tiger tattooed on her lower back slash butt like that's if so i feel like somebody in the writer's room was like no that is funny trust me and we have to do this and then that was that's why it made it in i i, I don't know I, it's gotta be like it's a lot of people thinking the same way you know when you're writing a movie like this and of course like i mean the, the i guess the cherry on top for this for my theory is like is that he ends up with Beth, who is the only woman he shows any interest in. And maybe it's just because he shows up in the suit at the end. I mean, could you resist Crystalia in a suit? Beth certainly can't, especially since her, uh, despite her clearly, her clear earlier reluctance. Um, you know, nothing has really changed between that conversation in the beach and uh, him showing up the next day and uh or whatever that was and uh but she's like ah oh, yeah you know you're in a suit now and he's like standing there like kind of like you know he's got that pose you know and he's like kind of looking down like like you know uh what, what's the what's the word um uh shoot it's the, what, what he does in uh in jumanji it's like the it's like the steely look um it's like Blue steel? no it's like uh it's like a that's that's uh yeah it's jumanji yeah <laughs> anyway it's like a it's like a little simmer kind of it's like you know he's like a he's he's like sulking kind of but like in a in a sexy way anyway it's very <laughs> i hate it i the point is that i hate it and <laughs> i think that this movie is an example of why we can't have nice things it's the entitlement that men feel to be able to do whatever they want whenever they want and never face any consequences an entitlement to women's bodies that is blatantly on display i mean this movie was what made in like 2015 right like it's not like it was made yeah, it came out 30 in years ago not that yeah. it would be even better not that it'd be better if it was made 30 years ago but at least then like you could say oh maybe it was a product of its time but no this whole movie revolves around how Crystalia wants to sleep with his coworker, and how he feels jealous that his friends are in relationships and he is not I don't know if I didn't know better, I would think that having a woman on your arm is seen as some sort of status symbol to these men. Oh wait, I do know better. Now look, is this the kind of movie this is the kind of movie where people say, It's just a fun movie, man. Why you gotta take it so seriously? It's just a feel good romantic comedy. It's not trying to say something important or make a point. It's just supposed to make you laugh. And if you but if First you listen off, to this it fails at that. Yeah. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to this podcast regularly, you might already guess why this grinds my gears so much. But allow me to respond to my own straw man for a minute. Um, everything you watch has an effect on you. Even if you immediately dismiss it as wrong or dumb, it still pushes you. Maybe it just makes you more sure that you are right about something, or maybe it convinces you that you should change your mind. 
Even mindless comedies like Crystalia's Flock of Dudes are pushing you in a certain direction. And often, with movies like this, it's not about what they say, it's about what they assume. The casual joke about ranking the women that Mario Lopez has slept with is clearly a joke, but the joke is that Crystalia is getting cucked, not that brackets based on women's looks are absurd and disgusting. It assumes that this is somewhat normal. And I'm going to play you a clip, which is a clip that uh, of uh, Crystalia and and uh, Cece. Oh, her, her name is Beth. Sorry, I keep think I always think of her as Cece. <laughs> from from New Girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they yeah. I, he has this conversation with her on the beach. Um, he's trying to convince her to go out with him. Adam. What? We should probably stop. I mean, you know, uh, we don't have to stop. I just, I don't want to screw things up, you know. Well, for the record, I don't think it screws things up. I think it makes things way better. I just, I just don't think it's the right time. Really? You're single for once. I Technically, it's like the perfect time. Yeah, but it doesn't feel that way to me. Can we just, you know, continue to hang out as friends and see where it goes from there? I'm just, I'm not ready for more than that. Well, I am. Are you sure? I think you need time to figure things out, and I just... I just need you to give me some time too. No, I will. I, I totally will. I think that time is great. But I think that the thing that we just did where we kissed is also awesome. And I think that while we're taking that time, we can continue to hang out and do cool things. And every now and then, I'll kiss you. Adam, look, I just can't be at the top of your list right now. I'm sorry, but that's where I'm at. Well, it's not where I'm at. I want more than that. First of all, um, just listening back to that, it's it's like it's it's like you have an actress, and then he's like she's talking to a muppet. Like it's like voice doesn't even sound real. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the, uh, the, the what's what's interesting about this scene, and I don't I don't really think that he's really crossing a line necessarily, but he is pushing her in a way that's like i'm not listening to what you want i'm not listening to what you're saying all that really matters is what i want it's kind of framed in this way where like i where beth says i want this thing and crystalia says but i want this thing you know and but it's like it's not really a conversation it's just him kind of like shouting her down in a way by like saying oh <clears throat> by saying like oh i don't uh like, I'm not, I don't care what you want, right? It doesn't matter what you want. What really matters is what I want. And like your status as a woman, uh, the only thing that matters is whether you're dating someone else right now. You know, it, like, oh, you're single? That's the perfect time. It's like, as if like, there's nothing else that determines whether someone wants to date someone or else. And like, she's like, it's it, okay there's so much thing, so much about this is interesting because she's like letting, letting him down so gently, right? And in a way, like, if I was in that conversation, I would be interpreting that as she wants to say no, but doesn't want to hurt my feelings. You know, like right. she's just saying no, and I should read between the lines a little bit and say, okay, well, obviously she's not ready. I should listen to what she's saying. Um, but like, you know, Crystalia, like this is, he's the hero of the story. So why did they put this in here to, to like show him like being so pushy, you know? Again, you're supposed to identify him, identify with him in this scene. He's the good guy, right? But with this kind of approach where you just say whatever you want over and over and you don't listen, like there's a, there's some subtext there. 
that you need to wear a woman down and then that, that then she'll sleep with you. Again, by not questioning this and giving these lines to the protagonist, this movie is approving of this approach. Yeah, no, I totally... It feels like they're building towards something or that there's an idea that they're kind of you know orbiting around but it's they it's not very clear because she even says i don't think i should be at the top of your list right now and if they did a better job of pointing out adam's uh pro i know we're calling him crystal yeah. i've um, been calling Crystal this whole time yeah, yeah, no, he doesn't okay, act like anyone else if yes yeah, true if the movie did a better job of pointing out chris's flaws and saying this is why Beth doesn't want to be in a relationship with you. You, you. First off, you haven't been to the dentist in a long time. Your breath <laughs> is rank, but also you don't have ambitions. You are homeless and all these other things that could be real character flaws that Beth recognizes that Chris is too blinded by his attraction to her to realize. And then this could be a moment of awakening for him. And he's like, huh, maybe the reason Beth doesn't want to be with me is because she recognizes that I need to focus on myself before I can be uh, somebody who can be with her, you know, or someone well, that I she wanna... would value enough to yeah, exactly. be with. Uh, you should make yourself into a person someone wants to be with. You shouldn't right. just be with someone. Exactly. But the problem is, even though Chris does go on like a self-improvement journey, it's so vague and so easy. It's something yeah. that it's like, uh, I guess since I have nothing else to do, I guess I'll just self-improve. Uh, it just it's, it has no basis in reality. Really, he doesn't change at all. He's still the same guy. Now he's just post one trip to the dentist. And now she <laughs> sees him in a completely different light which you have no reason to uh understand there's she the only difference between before and then now is that it's nighttime now and she's at a bar like that's the only difference in those two scenarios but now she, and chris is wearing a suit as you pointed out earlier yes so that now she wants to be with him when there absolutely is an opportunity for some sort of message about self-improvement and trying to make yourself into the person that a woman would want to be with as opposed to what happens in this movie which is if i just ask enough times she'll have to she'll get tired and say yes yeah which is ridiculous like I, I i don't i don't really understand why that like why she takes such a hard approach here and like actually kind of calls him out a little bit and then that just collapses by the end of the movie right they don't and again like you said earlier there's no stakes in this movie right there's nothing to, there's what does failure look like to crystalia here not being with beth like that's ridiculous like you're defining yourself by like what relationship status you're in and like which women woman is on your arm currently like that's a, that's not that doesn't mean anything like if you're in a if you're in a committed relationship with someone that you care about like that's something that you should be proud of but that can't be your only attribute you know and that can't be the only thing that like that would elevate you to the status of like oh i am like I am improved now. You know, I am a good, I'm a new person because I'm dating someone new. Like, right. That's well, not how it works. Well, to be fair, the other stakes are like when things are really going bad for him, it's when he realizes all his friends that he used to live with are developing into individuals and starting to improve their own lives, which makes yes. him like furious because he's like, <laughs> he, for some reason, that's a problem for him. And, but it's, it, what's interesting, I think about that is it isn't even the, um, it isn't even their, their accomplishments. It's the fact that they're dating other people. Yeah. You know, it, it's really the fact that he's not in a relationship and he wants to be that, that it is really the thing that clenches it for him anyway. Okay. So, and there's other, the other thing I think that this movie kind of endorses in a way is the outrageous things that Crystalia and his friends do. The, the movie is trying to say, this isn't good. This isn't a good look, but they rarely get into any sort of trouble. 
Their foolishness is played up as funny and silly. And these scenes are meant to be examples of fun. And the, and the movie says, the problem is not belligerence. The problem is doing this until you're 30. Uh, it kind of also says the problem isn't even the belligerence. The problem is being belligerent and not having a girlfriend. <laughs> because, <laughs> because at the end of the movie, Beth even says, like, I know like that you're responsible now, but you'll still be that party guy, right? Where she's essentially saying, like, you actually don't need growth. You right. you could still be the same guy and be and I'm even enabling that or endorsing that by being your girlfriend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah again okay, i think these are subtleties i don't think this movie is explicitly saying that it's not nearly that clever i would not say this movie is endorsing these things necessarily but it is doing what it's doing is it's showing an uncritical worldview and by making these things just part of the world they normalize them i'm not saying and okay i'm not saying that if you like this movie or you like movies like this you're a bad person or anything like that what i am saying is just be awake be aware of what these films normalize and what they are, what they are telling you to subconsciously absorb. Ask yourself after watching this movie, do you think Jack and Jill party, a Jack and Jill party is more fun than strippers with your boys and club with the girls? The, okay, yeah, that's actually worth pointing out. Why is it so bad that you have a, a party for your friends who are getting married and everybody's significant other is there? Like, I don't understand why I hate that so much. But yeah, so, so I don't think we... Like, I have to explain, I guess, because I never heard yeah. of this before either. So instead of a bachelor party or a bachelorette party, a Jack and Jill party is like a party, which is just one big party where they have, you know, the, the guys and girls all mixed together and they have one party. Yeah, which, like, the bride and groom are both there and all their people. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense to me, I think. <laughs> but well, like, it was so bizarre because <laughs> that scene begins and they're both standing at, up there and like the like Adam's little brother who's getting married and uh, Lizzie Hillary McGuire, Duff. Hillary Duff, yeah, are standing there and they're like, uh, 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 we're gonna try to have fun. We're gonna like play board games, you know. And they're like so visibly <laughs> like they shaken, didn't, like as if they weren't there partying the whole time throughout like, this whole movie. Like well, they had forgotten how to have a, like how to have a party before. You know? Yeah, and and even here's the thing: it was supposed <laughs> to be Hillary Duff's dream to have a Jack and Jill party. So at the very least, she should be into it. But both right. of them are like, uh, uh, and, and the entire uh, like people that they invited the party are all sitting there in the like living room, being like, okay, this sucks. For no reason. And then they <laughs> give up 30 seconds later and say, okay, fine. We'll just, we're going to go to a club and you guys can have like strippers. <laughs> it's like, what? Where, why are all these people in the same exact like uh, thought process on how you should party before right. a wedding it, it, it feels like they're just trying to push this idea of like guys have to be belligerent assholes of strippers before a party or before a um a before a wedding and women should just be out of the picture like we do not want to know what they're doing we don't want to see them having a good time women only exist to be with men otherwise they're totally irrelevant because we don't get to see the what the women do at their party no, not at all. Well, they're not. It's not called flock of women. It's called flock of dudes. That's true. But yeah, exactly. Like that's like I. It's played up that whole concept as a joke, right? And you know, you're not supposed to take it seriously. It's not a serious movie. But you go, you come away from this in a way. Like if someone was to mention a Jack and Jill party, like I feel like I'm. I would be. If I wasn't doing this podcast necessarily, I would be more likely to be like, oh, 
uh you know those suck or something like i would have right. such a negative feeling about it because this is the first time it's ever been introduced to me and they said it was so stupid over and over and over again in this movie and i wasn't thinking like oh i like this movie is stupid and i shouldn't believe anything it says i was i'm thinking oh this is just something that's on right now you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's it's subtle but there is that normalization uh that's there and it makes you I don't know. It just makes you kind of conform to whatever this movie is trying to sell you. And um, I think like at the very end, like I'm just trying to say like if, at the, if you come away from the saying, I didn't really think about it that much or like I, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't, I didn't it's put not that much that thought deep, into it. bro. Yeah. Right. Uh, to me, that's all you're doing is admitting that watching it was a waste of time. If your media isn't challenging you and engaging you, then I encourage you to look deeper. There's a lot better stuff out there than this. And that's that's really it. Yeah. No, I think it it the challenge with this movie was watching it to the end and it was only an hour and 30 minutes. <laughs> it felt longer. Uh and it, okay, so here's here's my take. I think that this movie I do agree with your take that this movie sets out to get Crystalia laid. Um, but I also feel like <laughs> this is a coming of age story for people who went to college and then feel like life is kind of blah after that. It, what's the solution? Find a girlfriend, of course. At certain points in the movie, it feels like it might not just be that. But in the end, it's absolutely just that. Like, this movie also feels like it was made by someone with connections to or dirt on some decently famous people in Hollywood. <laughs> like, like, there's a lot of people in this movie where I'm like, why did you agree to be in this movie? Like, you're better than this. You know, like, uh, not to say that it's like they're doing it for money or, or, or like they're above, you know, comedy or something. It's that it, I know they're, they're more talented and worthy of creating something more entertaining than this. And, and I think this is just my theory. There's obviously no actual evidence of this, but I was thinking like maybe Crystalia's movie director father, um, who is a movie director. Like he, he, he definitely has connections in, in the industry. Uh, maybe he was like, all right, Hannibal Burris and some of the other people be in this movie so my son can star in something, okay? And even though there is a surprising amount of star power, like I said, Hannibal Burris, Eric Andre, Ray Liotta for some reason, um, (laughs) that's a lot of big names. But the script is so weak that the star power doesn't even matter. Like, I I love Eric Andre. He's one of my favorite comedians. I, I don't like his character in this movie. Like he, no, it's, he's he's one of the worst ones. He's like supposed to be like the wild card, but out, out of like a group of just wild cards, basically. Right, exactly. I, a, I do have a theory though, because most of the actors in this movie are TV actors or or comedians, right? And like it's hard to break into like the film like thing. Like I, I always hear this. I don't know how true this is, but like people who work on TV want to get into movies and people who work in movies like don't want to do TV. Uh-huh. And so that's why it's like, it's a big deal when like a, a, a t- like a film actor get does a television show. Um, but you're seeing that more and more with like Netflix and Amazon where they're having these really high profile uh, TV shows right. um, and they're bringing in these bigger actors and stuff, which is interesting. Uh, so maybe that's shifting around, but I think like there's like, there's like, there's a lot of things that happen when you're in a movie like a, like a real movie right that like you get like special perks and stuff you get invited to like the screen actors guild or something like that i don't know i don't know how exactly how that um how that process works but there's a lot of incentive just to be in a movie and like if you listen to uh hannibal burris's newest uh um 
like comedy special he talks about how he's just like i'll just do whatever movie they tell me to do like i like i like getting paid so well i actually i actually really liked hannibal burris's inclusion yes here. for a lot of these actors i feel like they don't benefit very much like I, probably what you're saying like this is a resume thing for a lot of these people just to have another listing on imdb but for yeah. i feel like hannibal burris does actually come out on top from his inclusion <laughs> in this because first off he's barely in it so there you go that's a big like that's a big plus for him but also he he's good at playing the straight man that's what he plays on eric andre uh he's funny in that role and in this movie he's one of the dead members of the friend group because he's married they said they already went to his funeral which is what they call weddings and uh he he and he has a terrible nickname yeah <laughs> what was it uh pussy, pussy pop. pop yeah and he's like you guys gotta stop calling me that which i thought was kind of funny um, i thought that was funny too but then he uh but he doesn't do much besides that, uh, besides basically point out that these guys are kind of losers and they haven't changed at all since college. So that's a good side to be on <laughs> this movie. And then um, like, he doesn't do much beyond that, except for when they go to the Jack and Jill party and it becomes a bachelor party and somebody announced Brett Gelman announces that he's ordering strippers. And as soon as he hears that Hannibal bolts, like he goes strippers and he just leaves. And I wish that that had been the last we saw of him for this movie. That would have been way funnier if, <laughs> if the joke was because he's married, he doesn't want to be around strippers and he just leaves. Um, it, he does come back and do kind of a funny bit about being into strippers crying, which like makes him, like it was a good twist because he was a straight man before and now he's totally deranged. Right. Well, that's like the, uh, I mean, that's a elevation of the stakes, you know, yes. like, Oh, now you're in this situation. Like, like that whole thing with the strippers coming in, there turns out they're hookers and they think they're going to get into like a gang bang and everything. Like, and then Hamill Burst comes in and he's like actually into it. Like all of that is just like, all it does is elevate like the situation and it makes it like, it creates the opportunity for comedy. Unfortunately, it's not capitalized on beyond that. And it's at the expense of these poor women Right, uh, these sex workers, right? To to make them all like like conflate the like strippers and hookers, which is like you know, I don't know, not exactly what like. Not the charitable. point is, sex workers equals funny. You know, that's the that's <laughs> as far as it goes, and and um. And I sad just, ones are funnier still. Right. Well, and and the thing is, Hannibal Burris, I feel like gets through this movie without taking too much of a hit in my mind most of the other actors do mostly not. just because he avoids most of the fire exactly <laughs> but um but on top of that so much of this movie is supposed to appeal to functioning alcoholic millennials that think that a movie is good because it has drinking in it i i know i know that when they were like writing this movie they were expecting people in that demographic to be like are you kidding this movie has a beersicle in it that is so epic you know like they, they present the beersicle like it's supposed to be a virtue in itself to have a movie that has a beersicle in it and be like dude we should totally get a beersicle too like we should go and i'm not shitting on beersicles i've ridden on a beersicle before it like looks it's, fun it's fun but the point is that by having things that look like fun in your movie it makes your movie fun that does not actually translate as much as i did love the drinking montages it, it you have to have more substance than that i feel like crystalia wouldn't like most of the stuff that's in this movie in fact i feel really? like i feel like if he wasn't in it he'd hate this movie like this is the type of movie that crystalia would make fun of as a bit on his podcast if he still did his podcast um i got one thing that i know about crystalia is that he's always been a straight edge like he's never been drunk 
Um, right. And so it is weird to see his character be this functioning alcoholic and also uh, like drink <laughs> to see him actually drink, which obviously is not real beer when they're drinking on set. Um, and you get to see his drunken like accent or what, you know, he does, he yeah. pretends to be drunk. What did you think of that? I just thought he was bad at reading his lines. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't occur to me that he was supposed to be drunk until I was like <laughs> listening to it again. <laughs> Well, he does that drunken thing in his in his set. Like he does, mm. he pretends to be drunk sometimes in his bits, and it's. I think it works better in the set than as in trying to convince someone that you're actually drunk. Because I right. I just felt like he was overdoing it. But that's that's getting way more granular than I want to. Um, the use of Mario Lopez in this movie was surprising to me. First off, Saved by the Bell ended before I was born, so I don't really look up to Mario Lopez the same way that the characters in this movie do. Like it's kind of assumed that you're supposed to idolize Mario Lopez for some reason, and I'm just like not caught up on that. But then right, they say AC Slater. I'm like, who is that? Right. Is that, is that, he's supposed to be like a football player or something. Right. Or is that his real name? Yeah. Like, I didn't even know that. Anyways, I mean, and that's the thing. I feel like this maybe was pointed at a slightly older age demographic than I belong to. But specifically having Mario Lopez play himself in this movie is kind of weird when there's so many other recognizable characters in this movie. Like, it's weird having Mario Lopez play himself in the same scene where Hilary Duff is not really playing a character. Like, she's totally without any attributes that define her outside of being married to Adam's little brother. Yeah. So, but she's not Hilary Duff. And then Chris D'Elia is totally playing himself, but people are calling him Adam. Not to mention Eric Andre is basically playing himself, and Hannibal Burris is almost playing himself. Like, it kind of warps reality and blurs the lines between who's real and who's a character, even though there's only one real person. Like, at, at this point, I'm asking, was Jeff Ross playing himself or not? Was he playing Jeff that Ross? That would have made that whole thing better. Like, they had this, they make this whole joke about, like, they this masturbating guy inside of the of the of like the pond or lake or whatever yeah and they like accidentally get closer to him because they lose their oars somehow and he's like has some sort of soliloquy about like uh life or something about like how like you know everything is like temporary or like how timing yeah it's about missing opportunities or something which ends up like being quoted back or something it's obviously supposed to be like oh there's something profound coming from this crazy man right right but like I don't know. It, it still would have been funnier if it was just Jeff Ross. Like Jeff Ross is in the park. Like, actual the, Jeff Ross. Yeah. Yeah. Actual Jeff Ross. <laughs> in the park. <laughs> well, I, I'll get to. I'll, I'll return to that point in a second. Uh, but I do feel like there were motifs that they were trying to go with. Um, yes. Like for instance, there was definitely a breakup motif for this movie. I feel like Flock of Dudes wasn't. Um, like they could have gone to something that's similar to a breakup in, in the title. That that would have been a little bit more apt for right. what this movie is about. Uh, because you like calling it something like it's not you, it's me or like, you know, something like that where it's like obviously referencing a breakup, uh, because breakups are a part of life. And I thought it was a fun idea to try to weave breakups into other parts of life that you might not think of as breakups. For instance, breaking up with your roommates when you move out or breaking up with your job when you get fired or asked to be fired as the way he does it in this movie. It, it feels like these are great opportunities to say something more broadly about breakups, but I felt like mainly they were just they made the dialogue similar so that it came across as a joke where you're like, oh, the when, when Eric Andre asks Adam about 
talking about fantasy football with his boss the way that they do it is it sounds like he's asking him about what it's like to have sex with somebody else where he's like is he better than me that kind of stuff where it's like yeah that's funny enough but what are you saying about relationships what are you saying about breakups are you just mirroring the dialogue and i think that's what they mainly do when there's opportunity to say something that's actually meaningful and they get close to it they really do get close uh when adam is talking to his boss and basically encouraging him to fire him this could be seen as an example of a breakup where it's mutually beneficial and not necessarily sad for either party you know and that's i think that that's something that's important to point out because breakups get a bad rap and sometimes breakups really are for the better but that idea doesn't really come across very strongly they they mainly stick to mirroring the dialogue for the sake of comedy um when that scene actually could have been really good I do think yeah. that, that was an, like one of the funnier parts of the movie, not because of that actual scene, but what happens right after, because the boss had never fired anybody, and he's like, wow, that felt great. Um, who's next? Hey, you, meet me in my office. <laughs> it kind of implies he's going that this, on a firing spree? This, yes. Yeah, this mass layoffs are about to happen, which I thought that was good comedy, but... Uh, you know, it, it felt like a missed opportunity to say something larger uh, when I feel like maybe there should be a movie that says something larger like that. Um, and then let's get to this motif of timing, right? With Jeff Ross masturbating in public, he tells this story about his own youth where he wanted to spend time. Uh, he wanted to go out and party every night and paint the town red instead of spending quality time with his girlfriend. And now that he's older, he wants to spend that kind of quality time with his significant other, but his girlfriend is long gone. He says, right girl, but wrong time. This comes up again when Adam is trying to kiss Beth on the beach. She literally says, she she says, this doesn't feel like it's the right time. So you're, they're, they're definitely connecting those dots together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really go beyond that. Like Adam does go through some sort of self-improvement a little bit later. And, you know, but she doesn't know about any of that stuff. Like the the most, the the most noticeable thing she could probably tell is that his teeth are cleaner or something like that. And imagine your teeth being so dirty that you could tell they were cleaner (laughs) just from going to dentist once. (laughs) And then then later he he talks to her. And, and suddenly now the timing is right, but it's totally inexplicable. Like they don't yeah. actually bring that idea to a satisfying conclusion. Instead, it's just basically, I feel like what they're trying to get you to say is the timing is never perfect. Sleep with Crystalia if you get the opportunity. Right. <laughs> you know? I think there's a, I think you're right. And I think there's um like from that scene where he's on the beach and everything and the, and the, there's a certain actions that he takes after he has this conversation. I think it's, I might be with, uh, the bully actually i can't remember exactly where they say he says like you have to seize the opportunity like you know if if it's right there you gotta go go get it um and like i think he kind of takes that and runs with it and he's trying to like push her or whatever but you can only take that so far right relationship is just not it's not just about what you want it's about creating something with someone else so like if you're not listening to that person at the very beginning that's not that's not going to go anywhere, basically. And I think you're right. Like, there's, there actually is something there. Like, there actually is... I think the dialogue in this movie is fine. I think they do, a, a, like, a pretty good job of that. And there's a lot of, like, little pieces of stuff between, like, um, Crystalia and his friends when they're supposed to be broken up and they're, like, supporting each other and stuff and showing that how, like, they actually do have this healthy relationship outside of just being belligerent assholes all the time, which I thought was good. Um, and like showed a little bit of characterization for these guys, um, and gave some like color to this movie. But again, like, like w- to what end though? Like, 
how do you resolve that and how do you how do you create a message from that beyond just like the obvious thing you're showing us right now right yeah it's it's unfortunate this kind of goes back to what you said earlier but it's unfortunate this movie isn't worse than it is because i don't even feel like recommending it to people to be like hey watch how bad this movie is if movies exist on a spectrum from really bad to really good, which is way too simple to wait, look at movies, but just stick with me here. If, if movies exist on that spectrum, you can usually justify watching movies that fall on the extremes. Obviously, good movies are good, so that's why we would want to watch them. But <laughs> some movies are so bad that watching them is a novelty. And this movie right. falls somewhere in the middle, much closer to bad than good, but overall still just mediocre. And at the end of the day, that's boring. So absolutely, it it feels like kind of a waste of time. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) don't watch this movie. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, like this is this is most of the time I recommend people watch a movie before (laughs) listening to us talk about it. This one, I feel like this podcast might be a better use of your time than even (laughs) watching the movie. Um, So. What, what, okay, one thing I also have to point out about this movie actually being bad, I I actually think that the editing was kind of bad, uh, especially with the transitions, because there are multiple times where they fade to black, where it's like, is this a, playing on TV? Am I about to watch a, a commercial? Because that was kind of a weird time to to fade to black. It was like, oh, we don't even know how to transition to the next scene. So fade to black and then we'll just go to the next scene. There's even one where Chris is in his new room. Like he he just moved to his brother's place. He like sets a box down on the bed and he turns around and walks towards the camera and he gets so close to the camera that it fades to black and that's supposed to transition you to the next scene. But it they don't time it perfectly. So it's so clear that Chris walks up and stops walking. You know, so <laughs> it's it's just awkward where it's like, okay, that was clearly just poorly done it's supposed to look like chris walks through the camera which makes it into the transition but instead it's him let's just imagine there is no camera it's him setting a box down turning around taking two steps and then standing still in a doorway (laughs) what is this guy doing what is this npc sims 3 shit is chris up to now so that stuff this movie, that stuff i wish there was more of that because then you could recommend this movie more openly as like a look at how shit this right. movie is and instead uh yeah like i said it falls into being mostly just kind of boring um there and, are and some it, like yeah. uh some like a uh, pov shots that i thought were good like from adam's perspective you know and they would show people looking right at him and stuff that was um i thought that was like at least interesting you know um and i thought that was uh i mean it's, it's more interesting than it's like shot reverse shot and like establishing shot True. here it is whatever but then you know? they also did have some like insanely like boring shot reverse shot scenes as well because yeah. remember when he meets up with brett gelman in the park and they're kind of like having it's like when you run into your ex in public and you start arguing with them that scene is so boring like, i'm trying to even remember what the bit was it was about his pants his cool jeans right that he got cut off and then they were like talking about how like i was uh, they were imagining each other or something or imagining, imagining how the conversation how was going to go this conversation was going and and right. like i'm imagining that you're accepting my apology i feel like there was something they're working with there but the scene itself is so boring because it's crystalia talking brett kelman talking crystalia talking brett kelman talking chris in the background is just green grass you know and it's <laughs> it's so boring like the thing is i do feel like they get to a point where they are kind of playing with something fun with the like i'm winning the argument because in my mind i'm winning the argument and i'm overriding what is in your mind by telling you but 
that takes so long to get to in this boring shot reverse shot scene that you don't even you probably don't even care by the time they get there you're like please move on um and then of course it's like what what's the punchline for that scene a kickball rolls into the scene and hits breck element and it makes him flustered and he kicks it and runs away it's like oh jesus dude like that was where's the comedy you know um a couple other things I just wanted to, to point out just real quick. They make fantasy sports players look like fucking losers in this movie. <laughs> like, I, I, this is such, this is so badly timed to do this movie right after I've talked about fantasy football so much on the podcast, uh, because these guys look like absolute dorks, which fantasy football is dorky, but these guys give dorks a bad name, like with how obsessed they are with it and how it's like the only thing that can be used as a consequence against them. Like, yeah, having Eric Andre be like, I hate you for taking away fantasy baseball. It's like it doesn't even make sense. Like this, <laughs> he would never give a shit about fantasy football. Uh, so I didn't like that. I mean, that's they, they're allowed to make fun of fantasy football, but it offended me. And then finally, <laughs> this should be obvious by now, but this movie absolutely fails the Bechdel test. Not a single oh, yeah. then women first off d- don't talk to each other in this movie, but when they, if they do, they're talking to or about men. Uh, and that's all that matters to women in this world. Uh, this fantasy world where women are, you know, objects. Awesome stuff. So there you have it. <laughs> Let's move on to what I'm sure will be an even, uh, just as bright and cheery section, uh, where we talk about our, um, East cool Easter eggs and I'll go first. I just another name to bring up. Brian Callen is in this movie. And if you're any if you're in the Crystalia Joe Rogan multiverse, then I'm sure that name will ring a bell. He's actually also canceled, similarly to Crystalia in that same huh. time frame, happened in 2020. Uh it's it's pretty simple. This woman straight up accused him of raping her. He categorically denied it, and he's been kind of out of the public eye since. So I just thought it was interesting that he was in this movie because of course he's in this movie because he's in everything that Chris D'Elia does. Uh, and he shows up for a small role, but it's like they got to throw him a bone because they've got everybody else in this movie already. Yeah, yeah. So might as well have him too. Cool. A uh, uh, little cameo there. Yeah. Um, I want to talk briefly about Wayne Boggs. So at the very beginning of the movie they're they all have these t-shirts on um, and they're, uh, so I guess it's some sort of like, uh, like, a drinking game or something where they're going to write each, on each other's t-shirts and stuff. But they mentioned Wayne Boggs, who is a uh, fam- famous baseball player um, and how he apparently used to drink like a ton of beer uh, while going across the country from one city to another. Um, and like they were going to try and live up to his name by drinking lots of beer that day. This is also a bit that they do in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where they, uh, they, they're going to drink on a plane um, and try to beat Wayne Boggs' record. Right. Um, so I looked this up, and so this is, I mean, it's a real story, obviously. And the, the, the number of beers that he drank, uh, it varies depending on who's telling the story. Um, there is this one uh, thing, this guy, um, hold on, who's it? Uh, Jeff Nelson, uh, who is a pitcher. Uh, who was with Boggs um, and one of his teams, he went on a radio show and he told this story uh, basically that, um, okay, here, I'll read it to you. Ready? Nelson. Oh, I'd say on a typical road trip, East coast to West coast, say a road game to Seattle, Wade would drink something, but some anywhere between 50 and 60 beers. 
And show, show host says, no way, 50 or 60 beers. That's impossible. And Nelson says, no, I know. And now it sounds that crazy. And I wouldn't believe it myself unless I saw him do it numerous times. And he drank nothing but Miller Lite. So basically he goes through this whole thing about how they would, they had this old plane that would have a layover in new, um, in what's it, uh, uh, North Dakota. And it would take about, it would be about a 10 or 11 hour period between like him getting to the airport or like before they got into the bus, uh, he would get to the clubhouse early and start drinking. Then you get in the bus, drink there. Then he would get to the airport and he would drink there. Then he'd get on the plane and drink there. Then he would refill and everything in South in North Dakota and and drink there. And then he would get back on the plane and drink there until uh, he would drink himself to sleep basically the next day. So this this website I found is called legendsrevealed.com. Um, they, they have this whole article. I, I recommend you read it. It's pretty interesting. But they say, let's do the math on this. <laughs> um, so just let's just say uh, he drank 50 cans of Miller Lite. Over a 10-hour period, that would re- result in a blood alcohol content of roughly 0.552. That's the level. That's the level of alcohol poisoning. Uh, to put it in perspective, uh, 0.08 is basically drunk, so that would be nearly seven times that. Um, and so that's not even like there's a logistical problem with this, which is that there was some woman who a 28-year-old woman died in 2007 from drinking six liters of water in three hours that's roughly how many liters of beer boggs would have to drink in the same uh, time period for 50 beers for the story to work that just doesn't make sense logistically so this is a kind of a legend like obviously the story gets higher and higher and actually charlie day talked to wayne boggs when they went to make this uh this this uh, episode of it's always sunny and apparently boggs took him charlie aside and said actually uh, like your your number that you're working with, which is 70, I think, in the show, it's too low. It was actually 107. That's my record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't you say that? In that exactly at this point. So yeah, Wade Wade Boggs uh, living up to the legend of himself, which is great. So, um, I I actually did this in college. Uh, the you drank the 50 Boggs beers challenge. No, no, but you, like the the we were emulating. It's always sunny. And we right. wore white T-shirts and uh, and did tallies on my on our shirts. I think you were there. Uh, I think I might have been. You might have been there when me and a couple <laughs> of the other guys were doing it, and it's just sharpies on a T-shirt, right. which is they're all wearing white shirts in this too, which I think is allegedly to keep track of how much you've drank. But right. uh, I like it's always Sonny's rendition a little better than Flock of Dudes. I think. Oh, it's very funny, and I yeah, um, always Sonny does such a good job because they they're always set in the real world even though these people are crazy and they get cut off so early in this because they're acting so crazy during the flight <laughs> my but biggest yeah, problem with that is i can't drink that much beer while i'm traveling because it's hard to go to the bathroom yeah i have yeah. access to a bathroom at 100 percent of the time and exactly when you're drinking that much beer you got frequent trips it's crazy i mean it's a crazy thing and like i like just to think about drinking that much liquid you know, yeah. it's just ins- like you have to be constantly drinking, you know, it's like, oh, that guy over there, he's just drinking over and over again. You know, it's like, I don't know, like you have nothing better to do with your time. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I understand, like when I get drunk, but like that is that is beyond anything. Anyway, Miller Lite, too. Really? <laughs> I actually like Miller Lite, but still, I would not drink 50 of them. <laughs> Okay. My other cool Easter egg. You ready for this one? Oh, so I, don't, I, 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 I hope it's cool. I don't think... I don't think you're ready for this one. I don't think you've heard of this one. Did you know that Crystalia is a predator? I have heard a lot of allegations about Crystalia. Yes. 
Well, I found this CNN article that was pretty. I had a pretty good summary of a lot of the different allegations. So I'll I'll read you uh, uh, one of them for you right now. So Durst, who was 26 at the time, told CNN that as she was getting ready to leave, Delia asked her for a ride home. I said sure. This was really before anyone was taking Ubers, and I had marked him as safe, which equals a non-threatening male. Durst told CNN. Wait, sorry, he who's Durst? Dressed as a female actress, I believe. Somebody that he was... Is this uh, just a name that, that she's going by so that she can remain anonymous? She has a first name, but I... I hold on. Uh, Megan Drist. Okay. She's an actress um, who was... They were out at the same bar together. Um, anyway, so she said uh, he was friends... She says that he said he was friends with some of my friends. I had met him before. That's what you do. At least that's what I did. You mark certain people as safe. Drust said they walked to her car, which was parked on a nearby street, but once they were inside her car, she said things took an unsettling turn. We were both sitting there, and I'm like, what are you, where are we going? And Chris is leaning up against the door of the passenger side and looking at me in this really weird way. And then he started to try to make flirty small talk, she recalled. I was very confused because it just didn't fit the moment. Then he took down his zipper and asked me to touch him. And I said, what are you doing? No. And because I wouldn't touch him, he started to masturbate. I couldn't believe it. Dress said at that point, she got out of the car. I got out and I have the door open um, and I walk out into the street and I'm saying, why are you doing this? And I remember saying, you're defiling my car. I didn't want to make him mad or upset because you're in survival mode. You know, she said he climaxed in his pants and then he zipped everything up. And I said, what's wrong with you? She said Delia got out of the car, but continued to make her uneasy. I got back into my car. He shut the door and kind of just stood uh, towards the hood and looked at me without saying anything and, and just walked away. Um. Ah, Jesus. Uh, Chris, Delia, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, maybe from this movie? Listen to me, man. We're getting evicted, dude. And my brother's getting married. My boss thinks I'm a pervert. Newsflash. He's kind of right. Should I call my girlfriend for some advice? Oh, no, I can't do that. All right. Well, that's not, okay, you know, that's one incident, but, you know, maybe there's more. Uh, and in fact, there is. Delia was in town. This is a second allegation. Delia was in town to perform at the Cleveland Masonic Theater, according to tour dates on the theater's website. The woman, who was 24 at the time and asked to remain anonymous for fear of professional repercussions, said she received a call at the front desk from Delia one night around midnight. She was the overnight manager on duty at the time, and he complained that the air conditioning in his room wasn't working and that he needed assistance. Since a hotel electrician wasn't available at the time, she said she went up to his room to try to help. When I knocked on the door, he opened the door and he was completely naked, she said. I was surprised. I was annoyed that I just come all the way up just so he could expose himself to me. She said she immediately turned around without saying anything and went back to the front desk. She called her fiancé at the time and told him that what allegedly has transpired with Delia. A few minutes later, she said Delia called the front desk again. He told me I need to come back upstairs to help with this air conditioner, and I told him he would need to wait for the electrician the following morning, and I hung up. Uh, yeah, you got um, anything about that one uh, from this movie, Chris Delia? Estate money, like David, I wouldn't waste it on these wine parties. Oh, oh, oh. What? What up with that one? That's my 16-year-old cousin. So no, because she's your cousin, or no, because she's 16? No, because of... Really? Yeah. Hey, Adam, come I mean, here. I could use your... To be fair, that was Eric Andre's character. But again, you know, just a casual, um, I want to have sex with a 16-year-old um, in this movie. 
Um, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Was uh, but this woman is twenty four, right? Yes, this woman, yes, this woman is twenty four. Sorry, but I'm trying to see how that quote has its quote exactly fit in here. The quote fits because you know he's like, oh, I want to have sex with somebody, uh, just because they're, it's they're so young. Whatever. Yeah, it is inappropriate. All right, uh, you know, not all of the perverted things that Chris Delia says in this movie fits perfectly with the perverted things he's done in real life. Okay, you have to give me some leeway. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm just sorry. I feel like that quote <laughs> makes Eric Andre look worse, and I thought we were dragging Chris Delia right now. <laughs> well, it is his movie, so I, I'm putting him on there. Fair. Anyway, I got one more for you. They had these are this is a, allegations from two women. They had been excited to meet Delia, she said, after one of his comedy tours at Levity Live in West Nyack, uh, New York. After taking photos with her and her friend, Delia exchanged numbers with them and extended an invitation to a party. Uh, Vitarelli says he gave us the uh, address and he and we went. She said it turned out to be his hotel. Vitarelli uh, recalled that they had walked into Cristalia's room, the lights were off, and he was watching cops and eating a bowl of shrimp scampi. She said Delia asked them to put their cell phones in a basket upon entering the room. There was no sign of a party at all, Vitarelli said. He's, uh, he said he was going to make us drinks, and her and I uh, both were, were a little nervous just because it didn't look like he was about to throw a party. There was nobody else there. Feeling a little nervous and deceived, she said they, ex they accepted the drinks. Vitarelli noted that Delia did not pour himself one. Vitarelli said Delia then sat between them on the couch and almost immediately put one of uh, each of his hands down on our backsides and started to grope us. Vitarelli said she looked at her friend who looked frightened and they made up an excuse to leave. He got up with us and followed us to the door and said, are you sure you want to leave? And he put out, he pulled out his penis and it was fully erect. Vitarelli told CNN, it was really uncomfortable for both of us and we knew we had to get out of there. So we left as fast as we could. Um, okay, you know, this is not perfect, but I got another quote for you. Ooh, I want some candy, I want candy. We'll keep, get you candy, just keep your pants on, Mook. No promises. <laughs> but actually keep your pants on, for real, there's a kid around. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's bad, it's bad. And I mean, this is, these all came up, uh, or, or, or taken seriously, I guess I should say, after Chris Delia got, like, publicly canceled on Twitter, and that, which all sparked from this one girl, like, leaking DMs that Chris Delia had sent her when he knew she was underaged. And then once she was brave enough to come forward, a lot of other women were like, so it wasn't just me and yes. they they kind of it was this avalanche of accusations that pretty much ended Crystalia's career in a matter of a couple of days and he's still off the radar since then yes it's definitely true and like there are more allegations than just these yes uh, these were just there the, the, a, whole a few that i found and um yeah there's uh, there's other ones where he said stuff like where he told someone that there was a party and then he said, oh, why don't you come to my hotel instead? And then when she got to the hotel, she said, why don't you come to my room instead? And she was like, uh, no, thanks. It's just like, it, it's, 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 it's interesting, I think. And I, what you just said is, I think is really interesting too, because it's this idea that these, that these women have, and I think any normal person would have, where it's like, am I crazy? Did that really just happen? And it makes you think that like, it really warps your version of reality. Like, I can't believe like this is really what's happening. You know, I can't believe this is what's going on. I, I you so much rather just forget it ever happened. And so then when it, when someone comes forward and says, Oh, this is something that happened to me as well. It suddenly becomes this pattern of behavior. And you're like, Oh my God, you're like, you feel so much more validated because you're like, Oh, it wasn't just me. You know, it wasn't just his isolated incident. It wasn't just something weird that happened. This is something that he does. And it's, right. it, 
it's like the the reason why people like this could get away with something like this for so long is because people stayed silent and because people thought like i don't know if like, am i the only one you know it, this isolating like feeling that you have of like having this experience but not even believing that it was real it makes it it just lets people you know get away with stuff and uh just like you see in this movie is the entitlement that men feel that um uh, is pervasive um yeah let me hit you with a quote right quick uh when you're a star they let you do it you know it's something that mm. for a while was very normal and i feel like a lot of people a lot of stars felt like they could get away like they weren't even necessarily getting away with it it was the entitlement it was like i deserve this because i am famous or i am right. successful so um and yeah and, and obviously the me too movement and you know a, a lot of that has come uh back to haunt them and crystalia is no exception and especially with and a lot of these are allegations, you know, um, yeah. but Crystalia's response to these allegations coming out does not really give you a lot of faith in any sort of possibility that they're all somehow f like fake because what his response to it was first off silence. And then mm. days later, a his publicist came out with a statement that was more or less a legal defense and less of a, uh, you know, categorical denial of all accusations. So he, I feel like he even knows, yeah, I, I messed up and it's, well, he knows, but he's like, he thought he could get away with it essentially is the, right. And yeah. He, uh, he released a, um, a statement to TMZ that said all of my relationships have been both legal and consensual. He also apologized and explained, I really am truly sorry. I was a dumb guy who absolutely let myself get caught up in my lifestyle. That's my fault. I own it. I've been reflecting on this for some time now, and I promise I will continue to do better. Which, like, first of all, like, the, the, very, the first part of that, all my relationships have been legal and consensual, kind of contradicts the, I'm sorry that I did something, like, that I got my, myself get caught up in my lifestyle. It's, a, it's, first of all, denial and then deferral. Um, which, you know, maybe we're reading to that too much, but it's, uh, I don't see much reason to uh, believe him over them. Yeah. And, and he's pretty much done at this point. Like we haven't seen anything of Crystalia since this, uh, like he was removed from movies that he was in his podcast no longer comes out. Like he's, he's pretty much like gone. And this is after like, I'm sure he's doing fine. Like he's made a lot of money. He comes from a family yeah. that has had success in the industry. And, um, but it, it was, as a person who is was formerly a Crystalia fan, it was definitely shocking uh, when these revelations came about, and also frustrating to see all the people who hated Crystalia suddenly be right, <laughs> because there were a lot of yes. people. Crystalia even it was part of his like brand to publicly shit on people who shit on him on Twitter um, and Instagram and stuff. Like he would go out of his way to find people criticizing him, and then he would you know he called it uh doing a denny's grand slam on them and then people <laughs> you know all the crystalia stands would be in the comments supporting whatever he just said uh, right and there were people who j definitely just hated him because he was kind of a cocky asshole and then now there was real reason to hate him and people were like i know that i didn't know that i was right but i was totally right for hating crystalia <laughs> uh, and I, I guess those people yeah they must have some sort of sixth sense uh about knowing who's being a bad person and they well, totally you know, got his it, ass. It, it, one of the things that I engaged in after the allegations came out was I was sent, I was sending pictures to to Jenny saying this guy 
I found all these pictures of him. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like this well, guy's a pedophile. Also, we have to point out that he was—he's has played a pedophile <laughs> twice on TV shows. Yes. He played a pedophile in You, and he also played a pedof- pedophile on Workaholics. So it's the type of thing where it's like, are you that surprised? You know, this guy was typecast. Like, he, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. really disappointing. <laughs> it is. It is disappointing. You don't want it like. Like, I don't, yeah, it's fun to make fun of this movie and make fun of him, but like, you don't want people getting hurt and stuff. It's just, right. it's sad, you know? Yeah. It, well, it, yeah, it, it's just a terrible situation all around. There's actually a picture of me probably circulating out there just waiting to be used against me. Uh, because when Crystalia came to Oklahoma City, I got like the, the, like, meet and greet ticket so that after oh, the yeah. show i could go backstage and get a picture taken with him uh and uh, i know that like once that comes out once people find that my cover <laughs> so uh, i'm just counting down the days till that happens but it, yeah it really is it, it's embarrassing to think about how much i was a fan of crystalia uh, and to, to see who he really was um it just yeah it's it's really yeah. terrible well, I mean, that's the danger of putting anyone on a pedestal, really. You know? Of course. So. Yeah. And yeah. I, not to be clear, I wasn't like worshiping the guy. I was just a fan of his his comedy. Um, <laughs> right. But it, you still feel like because you put a lot of I mean, I remember you talking about him and I, I watched like his spe- like his special before all the allegations came out, mostly because you were like, oh, like Crystal, I think he's so funny. And I did a lot. Of, I, I watched it and I liked it and stuff. I thought it, I thought it was, you know, it was. I mean, watching it again, probably there's like a lot, there's some jokes in there that kind of are like, oh, is this like a, <laughs> you know, is this like a, I can't look uh, at him projection the same. or something. Yeah. Like, but I don't like, feel like, yeah, but it's, it's like, you know, it's just disappointing that like these people, like, like people that you want to look up to or people that you want to like think are like funny or doing something fun, uh, like turn out to be such scumbags, you know? And yeah. like, get away with it for so long it just makes you feel dirty even though you're not even the one that um you know was like he asked to, like to, uh, he told his pants down in front of you know yeah you still feel like you were violated in a way it's just yeah it's, it's sad anyway anyways uh, what, <laughs> well as we do uh, what do you get for your rating <laughs> yeah as we do at the end of every episode we are going to deliver our ratings joey what rating do you want to give to flock of dudes I give this movie alcohol poisoning. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I give this movie a lifetime pass to ride on the beer sickle. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be stupid people. Is that like a, uh, like a, like a, one of those like, um, De- like devilish tricks like you like you can get a free pass to the beer cycle but you'll never get off <laughs> no i look at it more <laughs> the as beer like cycle a drives you straight to where, hell where you whenever the beer cycle comes by you can use it as public transit <laughs> you can just get on and ride to where you need to go <laughs> but uh there you go yes. there you have it flock of dudes flock of depression right now <laughs> but uh flock of dudes joey what's next on affable chat Next movie we're doing is Die Hard 2. 2, that's right. Not long ago, we did the Christmas episode about Die Hard, and now here we are continuing to Die Hard 2. So that's what we're going to be doing next. Die Hard, Die Harder. Um, (laughs) Is that that what what it's called? called? I don't know. Because I I know that they changed the, the names. Like One of them is like Live Free and Die Hard. Right, right, right. No, I'm here later. Die Hard 2 is just called Die Hard 2. Um... Yeah, I, I'm intending to do every Die Hard movie. We're gonna do it. We're gonna talk about every Die Hard movie. 
Uh, we'll see how far we get before we uh, pull our brains out. But, uh, <laughs> if we sp- if I'm thinking if we space them out, we'll have better luck. Right. So. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you listen to us, make sure you leave us a review. It really does help us grow. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Affable Chat on all three, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. I can feel you not saying, I have this thing. It's called TikTok. We have TikTok. this thing. It's called TikTok. <laughs> I can feel you not saying it. I can feel the, <laughs> the hesitation. Um, we also have a YouTube channel where we upload clips to the podcast and other things that are not about movies. Affable Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, twitch.tv slash affablechat. Come talk to us live. That's going to do it for this episode of Affable Chat. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.